0: Hello, everyone. You are listening to an encore presentation of the Word on the Hill podcast with the Lanky Guys. We will be back live with a brand new episode next week, and until then, keep us in your prayers. Welcome to the Lanky Guys. Thanks for coming. We are the Word on. The, well, no, we're the Lanky Guys. This is the Word on the Hill. <laughs> we are the Word on the Hill. We are the, we are the, the Word
1: upon the, the hill now. Up. We are the ones who can bring the word of scripture alive for you. <laughs> That's we presumptuous. We are the people that you see. We're... I can't remember. I, can't, I don't even know. Do you That's know what's disturbing it. is I had a conversation with Megan Dillon, and she could name the artists in succession. No. Who sang on We Are the World. Are you kidding me? No, no. She like She's a master.
0: We are in the sixth... Sixth Sunday. Sixth. You got to pronounce that correctly. Annunciate. Sixth Sunday of Ordinary Time. And our readings for this week are coming from the book of Sirach. Sirach. Chapter 15, verse 15 through 20. Our second read, no, no, our responsorial psalm is coming from Psalm 119.
1: 119.
0: Unless you're reading in Hebrew, in which it's Psalm 118. 118.
1: But we'll get into that
0: at a different time. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 2, 4 through 5. 17 through eighteen, thirteen, thirty-three 13, 33 through 34. Our second reading comes from like a first Corinthians. Do you remember? Do you remember how chapter you two asked me
1: if, if you were manic? And I was like, Yeah, you are. You are here. You can give if you're manic depressive, then you'd give it like the, the second part, like this. <laughs> the second reading is first Corinthians, chapter two. Verses six through ten.
0: Somebody's holding their Bible right now. Like, come on, get with it. Where do I turn? Let me turn. Let me turn the page. Okay, and then what? Then what's our gospel? Our gospel is from Matthew five, verses seventeen through (laughs) thirty-seven, dude. Yeah, which is a very long reading.
1: It's a very long reading, but it does not encapsulate the full pericope.
0: No, no, you're missing some pericope, which I got super stressed out studying the full pericope, only to find out that we only get part of the pericope in the reading. Yeah, and but the and the short, is just as well because and long. the shorter version is like I'm dude, sorry, the shorter version is ridiculous. It's like
1: Julian fries, dude.
0: <laughs> what a strange <laughs> analogy. <laughs> what a specific analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah the abbreviate. Don't do the abbreviated version because it's not going to make any sense. And
1: that is this. I'm feature. not
0: sure the, the regular one will make any sense after we're done with
1: it I'm <laughs> not either. But regardless. So, dude, let's get into Sirach. I love Sirach. Sirach. Sirach is you like, do? he's kind of like the um, uh, letter, the, the James, the book of James and the New Testament for the Old Testament.
0: How so? Lots of practicals. Mm-hmm. Lots of practicals. Um, yeah, uh, 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 Sirach. So uh, the author is again in Jesus Ben Sirach. Which is fun that we already have a Jesus in the Old Testament Yeah, he's to prepare us. He's, Jesus of the Old Testament is pointing us toward Jesus of the New Testament.
1: But he doesn't really ever talk much about Sirach, does he? Who? Jesus.
0: No. No. Anyway, Jesus uh, ben Sirach, so Sirach. Um, it was originally composed in Hebrew, it was translated into Greek, presumably by his grandson, oh. who was the author of the prologue. So oh. there actually is a prologue to Sirach, which kind of tells you what the book is going to be doing, which is kind of cool. Um, there's no discernible structure to the book, which is really—it's really kind of frustrating. Um, it, it's punctuated by praises of wisdom, and there's words of encouragement throughout, and a lot of, like you said, just kind of practical application. But there's, there's very little discernible structure, which kind of makes it tough to deal with. Um, but uh, one thing it's very big on is the idea of tying together wisdom and the Torah— So wisdom and the law and showing that the law is wisdom, which is really applicable for us because this week's readings are all about the law. Yep. And so Sirach is kind of setting us up, showing that they're all about wisdom.
1: Laying down the law. And listen
0: to to how intense this is. So it starts off saying, if you choose, you can keep the, I'm sorry, if you choose, what? If you choose, you can keep the commandments.
1: They will save you. Who's going to save them? The commandments will save what you choose. (laughs) But what or what you keeping? No, you're, you're you're keeping a choice for choosing salvation. No, I'm just messing with Stop it! I'm just trying to
0: stop it. So who's being saved? Um, you, you, or them? Whoever the readers are. How yeah. are they being saved? Um, by the choice. No. Well, yes. The choice to for what though? The what, what? According to Sirach, what is saving you? The commandment. Yeah, the commandment. <laughs> you didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. Because I like it doesn't I was sound weird. right. Yeah, and that's why that's why I kind of want to highlight it because it doesn't sound right to our ears. You no, know, the commandments—that sounds like works righteousness. And Martin Luther would be furious with us, and so would Pastor Burhop down the street at, yeah, yeah. at the Lutheran Church. It, it, it,
1: right? It sounds like uh, some Pelagianism. It
0: does. Your works are going to save you. The command—no, it doesn't say your works are going to save you. Let's be very careful. It says the commandments are going to save you. Now, here is what I think is—I was talking to the Focus Crew this morning. We're we're going through the biblical roots of the Mass together. And we were talking about the Liturgy of the Word today, and something that's interesting about the way that Catholics actually view Scripture. And we do this in the Mass, right? What are are the, the only two things that are placed on the altar at Mass and both reverenced? The Gospel book and the Eucharist. So the Word of the Lord made written, and the Word of the Lord made flesh, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we don't realize how much the Church really sees the Scriptures as... You know, I, I was I was telling the, the focus guys this morning the way the church sees someone who, if any of you lecture, I know some people listen to us who actually lecture at mass. so You get to read the readings, and you know what we believe about the scriptures is is analogous to what we believe about Jesus. So, who wrote the scriptures? I keep testing you today.
1: This Holy Spirit, mm. dudes with pens, mm. a believing community, mm. dude. Um, God, what's
0: Jesus's nature?
1: Human and divine.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. Who wrote the scriptures? Human and divine. Yeah. God and man. Sorry. I'm not trying to screw with you, <laughs> you or mess are, with you. Uh, I am a little bit. Yeah, but I, it's because you, we, you caught me while I was distracted. I know. I'm sorry, but it's it, it's good for all this because we don't think about this stuff. Yeah. So we get the idea. Okay. So Catholics are a both and people. So we get the idea. Okay. Jesus. Thank he's, you. You're, he's,
1: you're right. That's what I would have answered if
0: I was. I know, I and was. I know you know it. I'm not trying to. And you guys can all have a drink if you're playing the game. But <laughs> so Jesus is God and man. He's not just God who, you know, God who kind of looks like man, or a man who's a little bit divine. He's fully both. Yep. And we believe analogously the scriptures, the word of God, is fully written by God and fully written by human beings. That God fully respects the the freedom of the human authors. Totally, totally. But that they write only and exclusively what God wants them to write. It yes. is totally both. Yes. So when we hear the scriptures, who are, what are we hearing? We're hearing uh, the human expression of a divine truth. So we're literally hearing God's voice. That's the reality, which is why we reverence the book. When we when we stand, you know, at the beginning of mass, and the sacred book is processed in, that's what we're sort of standing to, which is placed then on the altar and reverenced in a similar way. That the Eucharist is going to be reverenced later on.
1: Well, and, and we don't do it with lectionaries.
0: We don't do it with lectionaries. We do it
1: actually exclusively with the Gospels. And there's a they hold primacy of place.
0: And there's a reason for that. And that's going to tie into our readings, I think, because what are the Gospels about?
1: Uh. No, no, not yeah, yeah. this
0: week. In general, what is the gospel? Oh, about? it's the life of Christ. Jesus Christ. What does Sirach say is going to save you? The commandments. The commandments. How else could you translate the commandments? What do what the Hebrews call God's commandments? Do you remember? The word. The uh, words. God's word. What is going to save you? The word of God's, God's word. word. What's going to eventually become incarnate? God's, God's word. word is going to save you. Well, I mean, and that's actually so,
1: even in the liturgy. W- yeah. I mean, the, the demonstration. What do you do? You elevate the gospel book and you hold it up in relationship to the elevation that you would do at the at the yeah. moment of institution. Yeah, it's crazy. At both both at the lectern and the altar, and that's crazy. one of the reasons why that gesture is specific. Yeah, because it's the incarnation of the word of God.
0: Yes, which locals. is so crazy to think about. I mean. People, you know, our Protestant friends who don't think Catholics care about the scriptures or know scriptures, I mean, if they only realized how profoundly we actually hold them up. I was telling the focus guys this morning, though, that the way the church. What did I say? How profoundly oh, we good. hold them uh, up. Uh, uh. But when someone lectures at Mass, the idea of lecturing for the church is not that, you know, you're kind of the spokesperson of the group okay, who's going to read the Bible today? The idea of lecturing is that you, we're lending God our voice so the word of God speaks to the congregation through the conduit of, of a person. Not completely unsimilar to what the priest is doing when you are in persona Christi at the altar, but I guess more more, more analogously, it's like a Eucharistic minister. The Eucharistic minister later on will actually be able to give the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Christ that you've conferred on the altar in the same way that the lector gives the Word of God, which the sacred authors conferred on paper a long time ago. But but that's why lectures you know, are supposed to be commissioned and supposed to be installed, actually, in church, because it's like being a Eucharistic minister, because those words are powerful. So the Word of God, which is really what these readings are all about— is powerful. It's not just words on a page. It's actually God's voice. Yeah. You know, the word of God made written, the word of God made spoken, and the word of God made flesh later on. Anyway, um th- that's what Sirach's up to, but I don't think he realizes he's up to that. Mm. Cuz this hasn't this hasn't been brought to f- fruition yet. Does that make sense? Yeah, It's yeah. getting there though.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I and I'm just trying to read it in that light. Um it's, uh, and it's it's actually it's really beautiful. I mean, there's there's a you have to choose. There's a difference between choosing life in a person, a personal life, and yeah. choosing an ideal, like like yeah. like a, a commandment as an ideal, like stretching out your hands to life or death, is is in some ways very abstract. And there's yeah. some that can do it. And philosophy um, is is a walk on the slippery rocks. Religion, um, it's a smile on a dog. Oh, um, wow. Can you, can you name well, the band
0: just, dude uh i want to say Alanis more but No, can't be Edie right.
1: Brickell and the new bohemians i just have to say but philosophy again it's fraught with ideals are fraught with um uh, um uh lots of mistakes but to be able to actually reach out towards the person is how we live and i mean yeah. that that's where like um i don't know how did how did um um how did uh, ben uh francis he said uh, he called um uh, self-absorbed Promethean Pelagians. <laughs> that was that was like. That's awesome, dude. He's not just soft. I have to say about Francis. No but, man. But 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 the reality is is that um um we are choosing for a person, and we're not Pelagians in that sense. And I think that that's really actually right. beautiful to can see can see uh, when you can see that the word is a person. Yes. And yes. his commandments are the word of God written by the very finger of God.
0: Right. But, so here, my mind keeps going, so I mean, much of the law of the Old Testament, so Deuteronomy, so Deuteronomy, I mean, we've talked about that word, the word itself literally means second law. In other words, it's it's plan B. So although we're saved by a person, there is a time in which a veil is placed over Our eyes, and we can't see exactly what it is that's saving us. We know that it has something to do with the Word and the commandments and God's Word spoken to us, but we can't actually see for a little while that that actually is a person until God lifts the veil and becomes incarnate in a certain sense. Mm. But that can't take away the responsibility of the Old Testament people to do their best at following what they couldn't fully understand yet. Yes. So in this sense, I mean, the Pharisees, although they get a lot of flack, they're on the right track because they were doing their best to actually— They got a lot of flack, but they're on the right track. But they're doing their best to follow something they don't fully understand yet. Now, they become hypocritical about it, and they go in the wrong directions. But you can kind of see where they're coming from. We don't know what else to do, so we're going to keep the only thing that we have of God at this moment, which is his commands. Yes. And we're going to do our best. Yep. Now, again, they turn into jerks, but that's a different matter.
1: Well, that's because they're caught in the web that is woven over all nations.
0: And they can't imagine that there's something beyond the veil that they don't quite see. Yes. All they see is what they see. So... That's our oh, setup. That's a that's a nice lead in. That's our setup. It's very nice. Dude, that takes us to. I the feel soul. I feel but, like you
1: set me up for the song. I didn't mean to. Oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Psalm one nineteen. <laughs> Dude, I don't think that your laughing is sincere, man. Uh, that one wasn't. I Sorry, know, that's okay.
0: So, Psalm one nineteen. The response royal is, "Blessed are they who follow the law of the Lord."
1: So, what you're saying is, this echo is the first reading, and when it says <laughs> aren't you, aren't you that if you follow the the commandments, that you will live. Indeed, you can choose fire or water. Some people choose fire water, and that's not good for anybody.
0: <laughs> Boiling water. Um, a couple words about the psalm, though. There's something. I want to talk about the structure. Okay. Because it's very interesting.
1: Oh, are you going to accost me with this? Oh.
0: oh. The structure is acoustic. Across, <laughs> you got me again. Boiled again by those kids. The oh, meddling kids.
1: Dude. how many, But how does he make his coffee? That's all I want
0: Mm-hmm. Know. long story um it's the Hebrew form of amen Mm. we were saying that this morning anyway um what, was, what were we saying? So the acrostic, chamin. Acr- <laughs> chamin. <laughs> so it's acrostic, um, which means, if you remember from last week, last week's psalm was acrostic as well, which means, so the first letter um, of a particular stanza equals the first letter of the alphabet, and then the second stanza starts with the next letter, and the third, and the fourth, and on and on and on. Um, it's acrostic in a slightly different way, though. So it's it's uh, really intensely. I was reading a commentary that said. What did it say? Uh, yeah, it was uh, ex- in a more extreme sort of across extreme across extreme
1: <laughs> day. Uh, Sunday, 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 <laughs> extreme across day.
0: So, for example, the first stanza in the first stanza, all eight verses of the stanza begin with the letter L F. So eight times it begins with A. So A A A A A A A A, and then B B B B B B B B, and then C C C. So so it's really intense, which almost bet gimme <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's it's rhythmically, because remember, these are meant to be read aloud. So it's rhythmically kind of, it's a hard, you know, rhythm in a certain sense. Does that make sense? Yes. So, it, it, I mean, if you're picturing this being read out loud or even sung, it's got a certain tone to it.
1: Ah, 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 Da, da, um, da, 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 da. So did you just I, kid,
0: did you just throw yeah, down dude? yeah I did you know it you know I did okay so so what's the point okay it's interesting that there's alphabetical arrangement and all this stuff but that's not exactly the theological purpose so <laughs> Psalm 118 is concerned with the law of God. That's the point, right? That's uh, blessed are they who follow the law of the Lord. Which which I which think is,
1: it's worth clarifying that the law of the Lord. Okay, I'll let you finish your point. No, no, Don't because make I lost my place on my notes. I just lost
0: my place. Save me by okay. saying whatever you were going to say. Okay. Stop making Tony, a big deal out of the fact that I'm
1: lost. Tony Stanza. Um, <laughs> 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 I just wanted to say Danza, it's somebody, like Tony Stanza. because Somebody
0: introduced there. us to a friend and said, Hey, you really need to listen to this podcast. And the friend's response was, man, those guys seriously have some shiny object syndrome.
1: <laughs> and I felt so sad. Yeah, it's like, um, okay, so what, what I was going to say is that, that the law of the Lord does not necessarily just mean the Ten Commandments. The law of Correct. the Lord is in – I just wanted to clarify for those who have newly turned into the uh, lanky guys. Yeah, no, yeah. The, 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 in fact, when we're talking about the law of the Lord, we're talking about this, the, the full summation of the scriptural body.
0: Right, which the Hebrews would call the Torah, literally. The, for shorthand. Yeah. So they would say the Torah of the Lord. That's what we're blessed if we follow.
1: Is that why people so, call their daughters Tori? Is that kind of like a play
0: off of Torah? I have no idea. I wonder. I don't know. If you guys know. Yeah. Tell us. Yeah. Um Okay. So, so what is the Psalm doing? So in... Doing this kind of weird acrostic and being entirely concerned with the law of God, the Torah, the structural use of the alphabet is actually basically trying to prove that the law of God is the inner core and the substance of all language, of everything. So even... Um, Hmm. Hmm. this is a really deep reflection, Hmm. right? Language is a gift of God. What's the purpose of language? Its function is the formation of thought in accord with reality. What is reality? It's that God's law, his Torah, is structured the universe, that God's word is active. What is language supposed to do except conform our minds to reality and put flesh on it in a certain sense? So there's more to the fact that it's, it's using this across the... Oh, that's kind of a neat little... Alphabetical thing. He's actually saying the lang- our, our very human language speaks to the glory of God. It articulates the fullness of God and his law from A to Z.
1: That's totally awesome. And that I'm my mind is blown right now. Dude. First Corinthians, okay. We speak a wisdom to those who are mature, not a wisdom of this age. So <coughs> Don't look at me like that. You're looking at me like as if you're saying, how can you read those words? Because obviously you can't read them because you're not mature. Okay? Grow up is what you're trying to say to me. That's not what I'm saying. Please continue. (laughs) Dude, this is a, I actually think that they did not plan this out in the liturgical cycle. Really? I think they did. You did? Yeah. Man, the wisdom of God? Well, because it just follows from last week's
0: reading. No, it doesn't. I mean, it does. But what? So, the whole theme of Sirach, which I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast.
1: What was that? What
0: is Sirach's fundamental theme? Is that the Torah is wisdom. The Word of God is wisdom. Mm. It speaks about it as wisdom. So, what's Paul talking about? Well, he's speaking to the Corinthians. Little backdrop the Corinthians were terrible, (laughs) they were an awful, awful society. They were. Uh, I mean, they were. Ton, they were tons of new decadent, money. Decadent. Lots of new money. Powerful. Sports um, obsessed. Sports obsessed. Philosophy
1: obsessed. Or, or like rhetoric. Exp- uh, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, but here's the catch, though. So they were sports obsessed, rhetoric obsessed. They thought they were very wise. They loved philosophy, but the problem was, they're right down the road from Athens, and the people in Athens actually hated the Corinthians. Everybody hated the Corinthians. To Corinthianize. Yeah, they made it a verb. Uh, um, Sosthenes or no, Euripides, I think made that a verb. It meant to fornicate. So whenever you have people actually making up words to mock you, that, that's a bad sign. But they fancied themselves, these great philosophers and these sports people, but just up the road was Athens, where it was which was the home of Plato and Aristotle it and Socrates so and, and the good philosophy and not to mention the Olympics. So everything that Corinth did was like one step down from what the people who they probably couldn't stand in Athens were doing up the road. So they had the Isthmus Games, which everybody forgot about in favor of the Olympics. They had this good philosophy, which everybody forgot about in favor of Plato and Aristotle and everybody else who was up in Athens, so they they're just never quite there. And not to mention, it's what <laughs> I'm just laughing because, dude, it just it just they're just playing second fiddle all the they're time. Always playing second fiddle, partially because, yeah, there's a lot of new money. It's one of the few places in the Roman Empire where you could go if you were a former slave and actually make a new start. Making a new start was unheard of in the ancient world. I mean, the caste systems that were in place were were you know, eternal. You're stuck in your caste in life unless you go to Corinth. And then you can make quick money and you can become rich. And so it's all these people who are former slaves. They think they're the bourgeois. They think they're these great philosophers and all this stuff. And they're not. The the thesis of chapter two is trying to prove the point that in the eyes of the world, the cross of Jesus Christ is foolishness. So if your life's goal is to try to make yourself seem wise and philosophically astute and have brilliant rhetoric, and you're a Christian, then you're following the wrong path because Christianity is, in its nature, according to the wisdom of this age and this world, he says it's foolish. And he goes through these sets of examples to prove that. He says, okay, example number one, you guys, you're all a bunch of losers and you're, you know, your former slaves, you're new money, you're not very great philosophers, your sports games aren't that great, everybody likes the Athenians more than you, and yet God chose you despite that. And he's working through you and building his church in profound ways, despite the fact that you're not as great as you think you are. He talks about himself. He says, I didn't come with you in worldly wisdom and preaching. You know, this is what last week's reading was. Right with all this. Was it? Is that what last week's? Yeah, it was last week's. Yeah, reading. Yeah, yeah, And I didn't come with you with all this great stuff. I'm exhibit B as to why the cross is foolishness, because I'm not what the world looks at and thinks this is a great guy. Yet I gave you Christ and I'm the reason that you have a church. And then he's saying, you know, the third example is just the cross itself. It's not wise. It's a guy who was crucified and killed. You know, Greeks are seeking great wisdom. Jesus hardly, you know, he he had this shameful death. The Jews are seeking signs, and the sign is that he went to the grave and was killed. But we preach Christ crucified. You know, foolishness to the Gentiles and et cetera, et cetera. But I, he said, which I think okay. So which is all last week, really. Yeah. yeah. But now he's saying, but wait there actually is wisdom. Now, this is also a yes. society that's big in Gnosticism, which is this concept that the, the key to human life is hidden secret knowledge. If you can tap into the secret wisdom that's sort of out there, then, well, you can make a lot of money because you can get people to buy your books, right? That's what Oprah's doing. But I mean, that, that's kind of the... She, <laughs> does, she doesn't listen to Boom. us. <laughs> I'm
1: just kidding. That was, that was really fun to it's make true. that sound
0: but he's saying there there actually is a wisdom out there for those of you who are mature enough to see it and it's not the kind of wisdom that the world is going to see. Well this is the thing is is
1: it the same thing goes for Christ. Like right. if you actually look at Christ, he does these really kind of straightforward, understandable, intelligible actions that are compassionate, sometimes tough, um but healing and and real and like he, like it's not it's not inaccessible to right to a common man. Whereas what happens is if you start to understand If your you priorities
0: s- are in the right place. If you're seeking after the things that will bring destruction, then you're going to miss it.
1: Exactly. But and then but then if you see, you look at these common realities and then the depth of them, the hidden mysterious wisdom, because this is the thing is is that it's wisdom of of mystery, not in the in the in the mysterious sense like, hey, let's come to the end of the mystery novel and who done it? Fine. <clears throat> um, mystery is, is a progressive understanding of deeper and deeper realities that are going to uh, ultimately lead to the foundation of the universe, which is God himself. But the, it, but it always starts off in a, just a very literal and simple, straightforward reality. I mean, it's like, kind of like I look at, at Pope Francis, Pope Francis is acting in some of these same ways where it's like, you know what? Like, y- yes, like he has profound compassion for the poor. And and he has profound compassion for people. Like he is a personalist, and in, in a very real way. But he is actually doing deep things. And if you look at the mystery of who of his person, you realize that there's more to this than though though it's intelligible on an immediate accessible level. That's how yeah. we look at Christ too. It's like he's intelligible and accessible and in an immediate level. Um, if you're like, like what we're saying, if you're not seeking perdition, if you're not seeking the, the dark things and, and that that's, I kind of think right. what Paul's trying to get at here
0: too. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's absolutely, you said it better than us. <laughs> better than you. But, and, and, and again, to tie this up, I mean, what, what is, where do people think they can find wisdom? Well, the Greeks think they can find wisdom. This is the dichotomy Paul set up last week. The Greeks think they can find wisdom in the writings of the great prophets, the Jewish people, the leaders, the Pharisees think they can find wisdom in the books of the Torah. Are they right? Yes, they are. But the Torah is now taken on a different form. And that's the point. And that's why it's sort of hidden and veiled because now the Torah has become enfleshed in a person mm. who is God himself. But that's why you can't always see it. Because if you're not looking for it, if you're if you're looking for the wrong thing, it's intelligible. This is why all the Gentiles and the people in Samaria were realizing it and seeing it before the Jewish leaders were. Yeah. But if you have the eyes to see it, you can. If you close yourself off to it, you'll miss it. Which is an excellent segue into the gospel, <laughs> I must say. It is an excellent segue. Matthew.
1: Matthew. So we're
0: knee deep into the Sermon on the Mount Matthew. at this point. Matthew. We're knee deep in the Sermon on the Mount Matthew. at this point. Um, and actually, in this section, and the section, the pericope, as you mentioned, goes actually all the way to verse 48. That's the broader section here, and, and we, we cut it off at 37. 37. Just in case you're wondering. But but basically what you, what we get here, this is the most extensive section in the whole of the Gospels, any of the Gospels, about Jesus and the law, his relationship to the Torah. What does that have to do about anything? And um, one thing just to point out, he begins by saying, he, he calls them the law and the prophets, or the law or the prophets, which is Hebrew shorthand for the whole Bible. That's the entirety of the Hebrew scriptures, we, right? Which, law and the prophets.
1: It, just in case you're ever wondering, um, for the Jewish people, you would call it the Tanakh. The Tanakh, yes. You would not call it the Old Testament because it implies that there's some sort of new thing. I mean, right. that's intelligible, but, but it would be more politically correct if you were ever in a conversation that way.
0: Yeah, which is a, an abbreviation for T-N-K. So T, well, if you're curious about what that means, T stands for Torah, which is literally the first five books of the Bible. The N um, is the word Nevi'im, which is uh, uh, Nevi'im, which is the Hebrew word for the, uh, Prophets. So Isaiah, Jeremiah, but also things like Joshua and First and Second Kings; those are understood as prophetic books. And then K stands for Ketuvim, which means the writings. So the Psalms, the Proverbs, and everything else. And all three of those together make the Hebrew Bible. The technical scholar in scholarly circles, it's just known as the Hebrew Bible instead of the Old Testament or New Testament.
1: Oh, that's cool. And if uh, and if you have bad breath, then you can use Tanaka
0: oh very Uh, good
1: dude (laughs) i love it i you know what i love doing scott is is like you giving like a profound scholarly response (laughs) to something and to just totally demoralize you by like (laughs) taking it down to like an absolute level that is is absurd and it just really makes me happy (laughs) because because i can always see you just kind of Slightly uh, like deflate. Like, did you just really relate to me Because you
0: always start by sounding like you're going to say something even more profound and add on to it and it <laughs> turns out to be Tanaka. Dude,
1: this is what every single one of my 22. teachers for 25 years of my educational life had to put up with. Unbelievable. And no wonder I got, got such good no. grades.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So the Law and the Prophets. And this is where Jesus says this very famous statement. I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And people get kind of flipped out by that, right? Because does Jesus keep all of the laws? Well, yeah, he actually does keep all the laws. He doesn't keep all of the Pharisees' laws because they actually added on yep. to the Old Testament Torah. But, but one thing about this, the, They're the, building a fence. Matthew uses the word to fulfill, um, which I think is plethora. Is that right? He uses plet- I can, I can pletoro, look it up. It's to fulfill. It doesn't matter. Um, but, but it is it, uh, it is plethora. Yeah, yeah. Whatever that word is. Yeah, but <laughs> the, the fulfilling, um, it doesn't mean he's just going to carry it out. Okay, I'm going to carry out everything the law says. That's not what fulfillment means. It means that there's actually more to come. He actually says there's a line later on in the Gospels, it's in chapter 11, where Jesus says, the law prophesied about this. And if the law is prophesying about things, what he's saying is, look, the law is not the end. It's actually pointing to something else. I think about it analogously as a lock and a door. Sorry. Oh, well, a lock. A lock yeah, like, not John Locke from
1: Lost. No, 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 okay. no. Like... like you you put a key into a lock because a key uh, is it needs to be unlocked, and a lock, um, in and of itself, is pointing to the key. Okay. And so, if if it needs to be fulfilled, it needs to be unlocked, and then it, and then the whole thing becomes meaningful. Okay. And then it fulfills okay. its telos. Its 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 proper form is to be unlocked. Okay. It is to be revealed in mystery.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I like that image. Yeah. What? Thanks. No, I, th- I like the word picture a lot. Thank you, sir. Um, so what? So what is he fulfilling? Then what? What is being unlocked? Well, in a certain sense, I mean, he's he's explained that that faithfulness to God's underlying purpose in the law is demanding a radical kind of interiorization of these laws that were actually there. So he actually goes through there. There's six examples that he uses. Um, well, I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Uh, but he says, "What does he say there?" I, I'm, I'm, I'm going back and forth because the what we get in the mass and the NAB is slightly different than what it actually says I know, in the Hebrew, which is a little bit it's a little bit frustrating. But one of the things that he shares is, um, let's see, what what translation do I have here? Uh, yeah. So, Amen. I say it. Oh, the I Amen. I say to you. By the way, mm-hmm. that's a signal. Whenever you see Jesus saying, "Amen," I say to you he's introducing a really authoritative statement. He's going to say something really profound. He says it 31 times in Matthew. And every time he says it, he's basically speaking law. He is the wow. law now articulating in a very real sense. Ooh. he And, and what he's doing in repeating that again and again is, um, He's saying he is the inter- authoritative interpreter of the law. He has the authority to tell you what the law actually says. Amen, I say to you. I'm interpreting the law to you. Wow. Which the law needs an interpreter. Um,
1: no, you should be inferring that I came to down loose the law or the, the before hers, not I came to down loose, but to fulfill.
0: Down loose is a dare- what does that even mean? I don't even. That's a know. terrible way to put
1: it. He he put a subtext as demolish. I okay, go to a sorry. website for an interlinear called Scripture the Number Four All dot org, and okay. they have a they have a Greek interlinear, and it's really it always makes me smile. But it can be very helpful.
0: That's good. Uh, but one of the things he says is, um, what does he say? It's verse eighteen. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot in some translations, will pass from the law until all of it is accomplished. And again, that's that word plerohop, fulfilled, because something that it's been pointing to is coming. The, the iota part. Um, the iota it, it refers to the, the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet, yod. Yeah. And not just like the last, literally the smallest, because they're all, I don't know if you know anything about Hebrew, but yod is actually a tiny little um, character. And the dot is, there. there's tiny little extensions or kind of... Um, serifs. Serifs, yeah, that distinguish the similar-looking letters from one another. But that's so. There's not even one of the little accent marks is it, it, yeah. going to pass away.
1: The, 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 yeah, a little, a little thing on the bottom, the little foot or nothing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Ain't nothing going to pass away, is what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. Nothing. but what's But what does it mean, though? Okay, if, if none of it's going to pass away until it's fulfilled, what, what is the fulfillment? Well, the fulfillment that Jesus is calling for, again, like we said, is this radical interiorization of the law, which is it, it's the conclusion that God has actually wanted this law to reach, and that's what it hasn't done so far. It hasn't been interiorized in the lives of his people, right, in a certain sense. So what's he going to do? Well, he's going to basically go on, and this goes all the way through 48, or, yeah, 48 is the end of it. But he gives six illustrations, basically, that all begin with the phrase, you have heard it said, or it was also said that, blah, 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 blah. And then he comes back and he says, but I say to you, and in the Greek, the, the I statements are emphatic, which means um, he's, he's putting all of his weight on this. So in other words, if you're a Hebrew and you're reading the grammatical way that this is constructed, I say to you, it's the equivalent of Moses giving a new law. He's putting himself on the same level. This is what it said. This is what I now say to you. So he's literally reshaping the law in a certain sense. And if you go through the example he uses, they all sort of build on each other. The first two examples he gives are about murder and adultery, right? So Mm -hmm. murdering and not having anger, adultery, but not even looking at a woman with lust and all these things. Um, again, what, what's he doing? Well, he's trying to get them to interiorize that law, but he doesn't in any way lessen their literal force. It still means you can't kill somebody, even if you also should not get angry with them. It still means you can't commit adultery, even if that also means that you shouldn't even look at a woman lustfully. So those first two examples, everything is intact. But the next two examples are... are really about laws that should kind of never have been there in the first place. So the first one is about divorce, right? And the other one is about oath swearing. And he seems to suggest that these are these are less than perfect laws in the eyes of God. If the root problems of marital infidelity and lying were actually dealt with by living the other laws, then these wouldn't have been necessary. They actually shouldn't be there in a certain sense. Does that make sense? Yes. And then he gives a, a, a fifth a fifth um, case. And when he, he challenges his disciples to forego seeking rest, retribution, um, so the retribution, and then the last one is about, um, well, the last one's even even more intense. He he opposes this forced corollary, right? So he, he deals with the Old Testament command to love your neighbor, and he deals with a, a false corollary that was probably being said that had to do with hating one's enemies. And number one, nowhere in the law does it say to hate your enemy, but he's saying that's what you're concluding from loving you. That, that's actually what you're actually sort of acting out. So if you go through all six examples that he uses, and those last two don't show up in the readings for this Sunday, but they're there. Yeah. But all of them are sort of building on each other to the point where you kind of begin to see the absurdity of what they're actually following. Yeah, I get the anger piece. I get the lustful piece. But then we have the divorce piece and not swearing oaths the wrong way and then hating your enemy and all these things. It's building to show the absurdity. If you were actually following the real law, These things wouldn't actually be necessary. You shouldn't have to be told not to divorce your wife. You shouldn't have to be told not to hate your enemy if you were actually interiorizing the real law from the first place. Good night, everybody. No,
1: which (laughs) No, no, which, which brings us right back to the beginning.
0: Yes. Of what? the
1: of our, of our it's called the it's called the podcast oh the podcast there's some people who get together and they read on a microphone and they discuss <laughs> some stuff this is a podcast that we do in case you didn't know what the microphone in funny face is doing <laughs> it's about uh, yes. scriptures <laughs> yes no, so I, I, so if yeah. you keep the commandments they will save you if you actually go back to the oh heart, i
0: actually had forgotten about
1: that yeah if you actually go back to the heart
0: yeah like it will save you
1: it will save you if you it, like so G, mm. it, like here's an, another analogy that That's Jesus good. is doing is like he's like there was a rough cut there was a rough cut of this sculpture of this uh, of this piece of stone and he he's like and i'm going to actually further cut this down so that the image is truly revealed of what this is going on you you, I, you heard it said you know don't oh, don't commit adultery he's like i'm going to refine that i'm going to actually go from the rough cut and i'm going to make it oh. fine now oh. and you're going to see in a defined capacity and right. of, of what's a, what that actually is in, in the same way that we see these that Jesus Christ is the Word mm. as He's carving it down. What becomes revealed is that He is the fulfillment of this law.
0: Yeah. He is yeah.
1: the actual true image. That it, this is a relationship that is not merely just a human relation because these are dealing with relational realities. Yes, this is dealing with the fact that we are meant to be at the heart of God. Yeah, and that that and that the Word of the Lord is your destiny to be and to dwell with this word. And yeah. in so much so that when the father looks upon you, he will see his own word, his own mm-hmm. son through baptism. And so, so in some sense, that's the project that's being laid out is yeah. like all of language is, is meant to image the one true God, this, this extreme acrostic yeah this wisdom that is written down the the, uh, the these actions that take place the even to the place uh, even to the point but that, it, that it's a further refinement and def- definition and understanding in, of the beauty of who god is right. and then who you're actually relating to and it's mm. not at the heart of, of of it's it's stone it's 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 living flesh actually i i saw that um that they they're using 3d printers to print flesh and so it's a little bit more like that I'm sorry what what 3D printers, you guys, you know to that? print flesh. Yeah, yeah, like these these doctors are they're like figured out a way to actually like print like s- skin grafts and stuff using 3D printers. But seems really gross. Yeah, yeah. I, so <laughs> the analogy works if you're really geeky and understand what I'm talking about. If it doesn't, then mm-hmm. doesn't you'll just feel sick to your stomach. Yeah, yeah, like and, and, and that you'll have to go drink some coffee or something.
0: Yeah. That, well, I, I think we brought it together, I dude. Th- I think we brought it together. I think that's it. It's a hard reality, but I mean that's the. Yeah, it's, it's a <laughs> yes. We brought it together. I'm just going to keep talking about what we said, but I think we nailed it. I think you nailed it. I was in a bad place today. What, what, I've been all over the board. Well, no,
1: you've been in a great place. It's funny. I, get, I had a baptism for um, uh, Ronan Matula, okay. and um, and as I, in the middle of the baptism, there was this gigantic spider. I mean, this thing was huge. It was like I'm scared of spiders, and I had an adrenaline response immediately. I mean, like panicked. Whoa. I left the baptism to go to get something to kill this spider really? because, I mean, it was bigger than a quarter and like hairs what? and stuff. No, bigger I mean, qu- it was like a big fat gnarly spider in the, uh, in the baptismal font, which I was after reflecting on it, it was like the web that was woven over all nations is eliminated in
0: baptism with a shoe, a <laughs> shoe of baptism, pa- <laughs> a paper towel, the paper towel, which now saves you.
1: Yeah. But this is the thing is that the, the web that's woven over all nations. Um, but why? And it was in the baptismal font, mm-hmm. which is the, primary place where we are immersed into yeah. Christ and we come back and and so the the web Try is destroyed it. particularly in the in in the baptismal font but it
0: wanted in, in a certain sense it does want in it wants in wants to destroy it kind
1: of like we don't want to destroy you but we want in in your lives and we are so thankful that you allow us in
0: well but the webs also did conspire to destroy Jesus and actually succeeded in that but it couldn't stop him yep Well, we're going to spin a web around your life and you're stuck with us. Stuck with us. As you're driving your car.
1: As you're doing laundry. Doing your laundry. Taking a run. Cooking your cookies. Oh, man. I made some good cookies. I know they're gone, aren't they? They're really gone. That's all right. So we love you. Pin us on Pinterest. Tweet us on Twitter. (laughs) Um, Friend us on Friendster. (laughs) Um, uh, Stumble download upon our music us
0: on, on stumbleUpon. Download our music on Napster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, S- find us on MySpace. If Spotify us. Spotify. Spotify. us. But, but do Spotify. send us an email Fe- at Fe- linky Fe- guys. Burn us. At, yes, LankyGuys at thomascenter.org. Uh, find us on Facebook for real.
1: Yeah, that's that's one place that we actually have any sort it's of true. anything, and and
0: yeah. love us in your hearts. Yeah,
1: and, and right we it, yeah. right in here, right there, just like that. Oh. Let that. Um, the love shine.
0: All right. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next week. We are the world on the hill. We are the
1: world who will make you feel like you have indigestion. Okay, we're releasing saying right. goodbye.
0: Goodbye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys@thomascenter.org. See you next week.